Isn't it good to be in the presence of the God who created everything? <laughs> Get together. <laughs> um, this morning, um, I have the very special privilege of uh, introducing um, Raf Solomon. Um, Raf uh, is a a big part of uh, Numa Church in uh, in Melbourne, and uh, Raf's the apostolic pillar of of the Numa Church. I'm sure he'll explain that. I'm, I'm suppose, <laughs> but I'd just like to hand over to you, Raf, and um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning. Hello. Hey, great to be with you this morning and um, really honoured um, to be spending this time with you. It's a, an absolute privilege to be in this iconic church uh, in our land. The uh, Lord has done so much good and there's so much more to come and uh, we just praise God for you. Um, as Pastor Tim said, I am um, part of the um, just the executive group at Numa Church and uh, yeah, God's doing a great thing right across the world, and certainly um, he's been so kind to us uh, at Numa Church. We just, yeah, experiencing the wonderful touch of the Holy Spirit on our lives, on our church, on our community. Um, we don't deserve what the Holy Spirit's doing. We didn't do anything to deserve the Holy Spirit and his outpouring in the way that he has um, and the manifestations of God that we are seeing and the progress of the gospel right around the world uh, in so many ways. And um, the sovereignty of God is a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes we, we, we pray for a long time, just like people held a prayer meeting for the release of Peter from prison. Um, but when he was actually released, they were shocked. We're kind of like that. We're praying, Lord, revival, and Lord, we want, you know, your glory, and we want to see primitive Christianity. We've had enough of leadership methods. We don't believe that the book of Acts is a memorial. We believe it's a model, but, but Lord, we don't, we don't know how to do anything. That's the truth. We're not going to play pretend Christianity. We... But what we know is what we have tried doesn't work. So we need you fresh. And we were so shocked that God answered our prayers. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you what, it's a scary thing when God answers your prayers because you have to lose control. Because you can't have the control of the Holy Spirit and the control of man. You just can't at an individual level or a church level. You can't. It's, it has to be one or the other. So when you hand over the control to the Holy Spirit and he begins to do things outside of your experience, you freak out as a leader because you are no longer in control and you have to make, and it's not a one-off decision, it's an ongoing decision, is it going to be my best thinking or the ways of God? And as you surrender to the ways of God, God manifests more of himself. Does the things that you read about in the Bible, we've seen lots of blind eyes open. 
lots of deaf ears open, cancers galore healed. I can't tell you the amount of deliverances we have seen. And by that, I don't just mean exorcisms. I don't just mean demons coming out. It includes that. But I'm talking about strongholds in people's lives. I'll never forget one service. I didn't mean to tell you all of this, but let's go there. I'll never forget one service. In one of our locations, um, we didn't get to the word. That often happens sometimes. I'm sorry, but I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best so we can get to the word. We, we, we didn't get to the word. Um, and probably about 10 minutes in, there was, no jokes, at least 250 people, at least, in one of the locations, mainly middle-aged men, just repenting. Hardly anybody said a word, you know. But that's God. I think, I think that this connection to the Holy Spirit produces both Christians. But when the Holy Spirit is Lord again, when he takes the place of preeminence, when there's a true awakening, Christianity is not boring at all, is it? Yeah? All right, anyway. Anyway, so thank you so much for having us here and... Um, Trusting that Jesus is going to bless our time mightily in the five loaves and two fish that we offer him this morning. I want to deal with three things in the spiritual atmosphere before we get into the word of God. Is that okay? Before we as a church need to kind of learn that together individually and collectively, there is a spiritual atmosphere and, and it's real. Spiritual atmospheres, by the way, don't, don't ever think, oh, that's like my fault or this or that. It's not like that at all. It's just what's going on. We've just got to grow more sensitive to those things. And we, we are God's conduits of dealing with it. And, uh, and, then, and then it's all good. Then we can really um, step in under an open heaven. Um, I'm going to tell you what they are very quickly. As we're worshipping, there's particularly... Three spirits that we collectively are just going to make sure that there's no interference from those spirits. And then there's an open heaven that we're going to sit under and the Holy Spirit can do his thing. There is a spirit of the fear of man and intimidation that we're going to deal with. And all that spirit does is try to attach itself to the people of God. Um, so that there's a fear of man more than a fear of God. So that the fear of man usually shuts your mouth to the glory of God. It usually shuts your mouth. It usually silences your faith. What is on the inside does not come out on the outside. Both to man, there is a, there's, a more, there's more of an awareness of man than there is of God. That's, that's, that's what the spirit of the fear of man usually does. It's a very intimidating spirit. Because it tells you what will you look like if you express really what's going on on the inside. Uh, I do want to tell you that sometimes, um, and, and that's the unfortunate thing of where we're at in Christianity in the Western world, but the Lord is changing that. Um, sometimes when a Christian is fervent in spirit, fellow Christians think that Christian has a fever. 
that he's sick or she's sick, while in fact they are sick because they are lukewarm. So there's a spirit of the fear of men we'll deal with very quickly. Um, there is a spirit of shame and guilt, and the spirit of shame and guilt that um, we're going to deal with is especially, especially working in people to um, work unbelief. Its intention is to work unbelief. It's the spirit that basically says to you, I am not good enough. I am not good enough. I don't deserve. And really what that's bringing you to is taking your eyes off Jesus, placing them on your personal merit as to how that exchange is meant to happen. It's performance-based Christianity, which is another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, but that leads to unbelief. That's intent. Shame and guilt are meant to lead you to unbelief. There is a spirit of, this is a weird one, I've never experienced this one, but here it is anyway. This one is the spirit of too late, you've missed it. And we're going to deal with that. Who knows that God is not intimidated by time because he's the creator of time, right? He's not intimidated by it. That's why he says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust is eaten. No matter how many years I come, Moses was 80. And he was just at the beginning of his mission. You, there's no such thing that some, the devil has deceived the church in believing that the longer a bad thing has been around, the harder it is for God to move it. I want to tell you that is a lie. Because... That, that's why Jesus would allow people to be blind for 40 years and crippled for 38 years because what Satan takes decades to do, Jesus takes the moment to undo. The spirit of too late. Some of you are wrestling with the spirit of too late. I messed up, I missed it, whatever it is. But all of those three spirits that I mentioned to you are lying spirits. We're just going to come into agreement. We have all authority. We have the keys of the kingdom. We have dominion over every serpent, scorpion, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. And if there's one thing I am believing for Creek Street with all of my heart, I'm praying for you. You know, coming from Melbourne of Indigo, you've got a couple of hours of prayer, right? So I'm praying for you when the Lord said, awakening, awakening, awakening. Lord's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Matter of fact, I want to commit to your leadership. Um, this place is just going to hold worship. The worship, the worship in this place, and I'm not talking about Sunday worship. You're going to find other forums where it's just going to be worship. And what the worship is going to do, you know, don't build a purpose to it. Don't say worship said it, this could happen or that could happen. Not at all. Not at all. Just come to worship in spirit and in truth. And as you worship in spirit and in truth, I see people in the name of Jesus Christ, not only from other churches, but, but just people coming because, because, because the presence of the Lord is going to fill the worship. Don't take your rise in the name of Jesus of the authenticity of worship. You are not to do 
it for a purpose. You are to do it for the single purpose of adoration and love. And in the space of adoration and love, the presence of the Lord shall break out in signs and wonders. The presence of the Lord shall bring freedom. I see young men coming in that are addicted to drugs and, and I, I, see, I see youth leaving free in the name of Jesus and the sons of Baal shall become the sons of the Most High. In the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of restoration. So Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you have proclaimed what you are here in Bendigo to do, that this region shall become a fortress of heaven. That every demonic principality and power over this region, generational curses, not by might and not by power, but by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of Calvary to Bendigo. Shall not only undo the works of a devil, but out of central Victoria, shall come a light that shall disperse we honor you and we thank you for that holy spirit let's dispel those three spirits together very quickly and let's get into the word father thank you that we're here in your presence thank you for the authority of every saint in this place complete dominion over every demon in the name of Jesus Christ. We come into full agreement right now. Right now, we command in the name of Jesus, every spirit of shame, every spirit of unbelief, we command you to leave this meeting, to detach Right now, we silence you and we evict you in the name of Jesus. Every lying spirit and every lie, right now we address you. The spirit of too late, the spirit of hopelessness, the spirit of guilt, we command you in the name of Jesus Christ. We silence you right now and we evict you with an exit, a non-harassment right now and a silence right now in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of the fear of man, we come against you with the authority of the rabbi, Messiah Jesus, who has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, we commend you. Spirit of intimidation, be quiet. Even right now. And Spirit of God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for angelic dispensation. Thank you for an open heaven that no one merits. But thank you for the blood of the Lamb that has opened up the storehouse to every blood was saint. Thank you that every person in this room is known by you, loved by you, marked by you. Spirit of hope, spirit of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, spirit of truth. We invite you for a great awakening of hearts. Do what only you can do. 
what no human could do, what no church can do. We lay every crown at the feet of Jesus. May Jesus have all the glory. Amen and amen. Amen. I'd love to read with you from um, the book of Isaiah chapter 6. I don't have a clock here. Help me out. How does it work? Are you serious? I'm like African descent. We could be here until Tuesday. (laughs) All right, I'll do my best. Please flag me when you're getting bored. I don't mind. All right, the book of Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read from verses 1 to 9. In In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Then he said, Go and tell these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Amen. Um, There's a gentleman by the name of Leonard Ravenhill who's a bit of a legend, um, kind of like in Christianity. And he said, As long as we are content to live without revival, we will. (laughs) that's a truth capsule right there isn't it as long as we are content to live without revival we will the truth is the church could live in something completely substandard the church could have all the bells and whistles that could lead it to so much activity who knows if you're you you could be active but it doesn't mean that you're effective in the kingdom that 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 they're not the same at all And what we pray for or what we don't pray for, we get. Um, That that, that is the truth. Um, So here's the thing. Um, We can either go after the blueprint in Scripture or not. And and that's why today I just want to take us to something that is in in the centre of our Christian faith that kind of doesn't really get too much of a mention Uh, What it is to be touched by glory. Every Christian is to be touched by glory, just like Isaiah. The truth is, the church has lost its desire. It doesn't have a strong desire to be touched by the glory of God. Not because it is so full of the presence of God, but because it's nibbled at the table of the world and eaten the wrong food. And it has suffocated the desire to be touched by the glory of God. You, you talk like that to the church nowadays and they think you're a super spiro. What is that? 
what is it to be touched by the glory of God? Well, we're going to kind of like have a look at that together. What it is to be touched by the glory of God and what happens there. Um, in that passage that we just read, you can see that the passage begins by King Uzziah dying and therefore something happening. King Uzziah, just for a little bit of context before we talk, um, was one of the better kings of Judah. He was probably only second to Solomon in all that he achieved reigned 52 years in Judah, brought economic stability, prosperity, etc., etc. But around about year 49 of his reign, uh, we find that pride entered his heart. And when pride entered his heart, it totally corrupted him. Who knows that, it, that it, wasn't, it wasn't sexual immorality that made angels become demons, it was pride. Pride will turn any man into a predator, Pride will turn any man into a blind man. And unfortunately, that's where Uzziah was. But the context is that when Uzziah died, the Lord revealed himself uh, to Isaiah, the prophet, in a whole new way. And here's what I want to say to us. I want to say to us that the glorious encounter that took place with Isaiah didn't happen because everything was going well. The, 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 the glorious touch of God came on Isaiah the prophet actually when things were at their worst in Judah. And, and, and this is not a conversion thing that Isaiah experienced. Isaiah was already a prophet for 18 years. This is the year 740 BC, which means Isaiah was a prophet for 18 years already. But you know what? Even those who have been walking with the Lord for a long time need to experience a touch of glory that takes them to a whole other dimension. You could be in the Lord 50 years, but really you've been in the Lord for only one year, but you've done it over 50 times. It's not how long I've been in the Lord. It's one encounter with glory have I had with the Lord that will change me completely. See, the glory of the Lord, when it touched Isaiah, Isaiah was completely turned into another man. He had this remarkable encounter that would change everything. Do you know when you read the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, right up to that encounter, he's prophesying, but it's kind of like neither here nor there. But when he has that encounter, the rest of his ministry all of a sudden opens up nations all of a sudden takes even the effect of the power and the presence of what he now carried to open up not only nations, but generations to come. All of a sudden, future generations, he becomes, as a matter of fact, if you study kind of like theologically, he, he's known as the fifth gospel. He's mentioned 67 times in the New Testament. People are still coming to Christ because of Isaiah. How many people have heard... Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, and came to the Lord. The Ethiopian eunuch is recorded in the book of Acts. How did he come to faith? Because of Isaiah. He's mentioned that more than any other prophet in, 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 in the Old Testament by Jesus. He's mentioned by Jesus 25 times in Jesus' ministry. Wow, 
Where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from one glory encounter. A glory encounter is the seed of reformation. There is no awakening for any person. There is no awakening for any church unless the church and the person have a glory encounter. None. To be touched by glory is the beginning that dominoes into reformation, both on a personal and a corporate level. But this is where it begins. It begins by being touched by glory. And we're going to kind of like unpack a little bit. What does that look like? Every, every reformation, both in scripture and in church history, tells us that somebody got touched by glory. Moses, there has to be a burning bush before there is an exodus. Gideon has to have that encounter before there's the release from the Midianites. Don't, you, you have a look at anything in church history, whether it's Azusa Street or, or anything else in the Brownsville Revival, doesn't matter what it is. There has to be a glory encounter. There has to be a touch of glory, just as it happened with Isaiah. What are we talking about when we talk about glory? Just so it doesn't become kind of mystical and weird. Okay, you know every person has a sum total of their character. The new ages call it an energy. Ever heard of that? That person carries an energy, right? You know what that is? That is the sum total of your personality and how it emanates. The sum total of your characteristics, your attributes, and how they emanate. Do you know that God has that? That's called glory. The very same sum total of everything of the essence of who God is, literally, becomes manifest that's why Moses Moses realized this Moses loved the presence of the Lord he would say to the Lord in the book of Exodus chapter 33 and verse 15 unless your presence goes with us do not send us up from here Lord we love your presence we are so dependent on your presence we understand that it's not by might nor by power but by the presence of the Lord Lord we we need your presence right and the Lord says to him okay my presence will go with you and I will give you rest but you know what Continue reading in the chapter. Moses actually recalibrates. Actually, Lord, that's not enough. A few verses later, he says to him, show me your glory. God, that's not enough. God, what we need is this. We need the sum total of who you are manifest. Not just manifest to me, not just manifest to me, but... I, I, I need to see your glory, I need to carry your glory, and I need to release your glory. Can you imagine a church, can you imagine hundreds, not one, but hundreds of people that have encountered the glory of God, tasted for themselves? You know, you know what the problem is with a church? We've become so high on ideology and so... Deficient in power. So we're carrying nothing. That's why I love what Peter says. Gold and silver I do not have, but what I have I give to you. You know what I love about that? He didn't only know what he didn't have, he knew what he had. What I have I give to you. 
He knew what he carried because he encountered glory. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Okay. Can I show you from Scripture? Because the Word of God is our foundation. Everything must be founded on the Word, not on a preacher. Preachers can bring you hype. Ever been there? A preacher can bring you hype. Don't you follow a personality. Don't you follow a charismatic character. Scripture. Scripture. Test everything but a plumb line of heaven. Have a look. Open up with me to the book of John chapter 17. Have a look at this. This is the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus the high priest praying. Could we come into agreement before we read this scripture that everything that Jesus prayed got answered? Why, why do I say that? Is it just because of his position as the son of God? No. Even though that's probably adequate. But because of what he said. In the book of John chapter 11, before the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. Every prayer is answered. So I can be quite confident that everything that Jesus has ever prayed is answered. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. Look what he prayed. Book of John chapter 17, we're going to read from verse 20. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone. He was talking about the disciples that he had with him at the time. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Let me just stop there for a minute. Who's he now praying for? Come on, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest question. It's, there's no tricks. Us, right? I, I, don't, I don't just pray for those who are with me right now, but I believe... I am praying for those who are going to believe in me because of their word. We only believe because of the word of testimony of the apostles. Right? Foundation of the apostles. Okay. So he's praying for us here at Creek Street right now. Okay. What's the prayer? That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Uh -huh. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one. Okay. Could we get real about our theology and stop churchianity? And we stop playing church just for a minute and we talk real? Jesus said, the glory that I have... I have given and I pray every single person has not, not, not a diluted glory, not a measure of glory, but the same glory. What I carry, they carry. That's why he said greater than works than these will they do. Why? But what I carry, they will carry. What's upon me will be upon them. Psalm 133 talks about how the anointing oil that sat on the high priest fell down his beard onto the edges of his garment. Who's our high priest? Jesus. Means that the very same glory, the very same anointing, not a diluted form of it, literally fell from our high priest to the edges of the garment, to his body, the church. Okay. Hopefully that can sink in just a little bit. Now, 
Why am I saying all of that? Because I really want us to see something that God is inviting us to that has been a little bit lost in the church. We are invited to be filled with the glory of God. How do I know that? Not only have we just read it, but did you realize what happened in Isaiah 6? Isaiah has this vision where the seraphim, which is high-ranking angels, they have six wings. With two, they cover their feet. With two, they fly. And with two, they cover their eyes. Do you know how Isaiah begins the encounter? I saw the Lord. Angels were not allowed to look on the Lord, yet Isaiah saw the Lord. Okay. Did you notice something else in that encounter? It says that the angel flew with tongues. Read it. It's in your Bible. With tongues, picked up the coal of fire and put it in Isaiah's lips. The angel could not touch the coal, but Isaiah's lips touched the coal. The, it was too hot for the angel because, because it was a measure of the divinity, the very nature of God, the very glory of God that is given to sons and daughters. That's what the Apostle Peter was talking about in First Peter chapter 2. First epistle in chapter 2, he, talk, he talks about things which angels desire to look into. What, what am I saying? Is that stuff just to fascinate our minds? Not at all. This is letting us know the heart of God. This is how much God desires for sons and daughters to be touched by his glory, to encounter his glory. This is what the Lord wants. The Lord wants men and women that are touched by the glory of God. We're going to get practical in just a moment. But I want to say this. Nobody's going to be touched by the glory of God if they are full of religion. Jacob had enough religion in him to do a long journey. He had an encounter with the Lord and he called the name Bethel but still lived deceptive, still lived con artists, still lived in the power of the flesh. Tithing has a relationship with God, but really void of the life of God in him. One of the things that glory does, it will take you out of a bored Christian life and bring you into a partnership with a divine life. Jacob was there until Genesis chapter 32. And Genesis chapter 32, where he has this wrestle with God, where he is now sick of religion. He's sick of religion. He's sick of the system of worship that he's been part of. He got honest with God. Hey, God, if this thing is going to be real, I need you to be more real in my life. I will not let you go until you bless me. I am sick of my journey with you, I need, I need to get honest. I need something substantial. I don't need a system of worship. I need the reality of Almighty God. I don't need an ideology. I need your presence and your power. I need your personhood. I need the life of God to flow through me. And the Lord touched him. And he called the place Peniel which means face of God. And you know that moment, 
He stopped being Jacob, supplanter, con man, cheat, and he became Israel, prince with God. <laughs> you got to be sick of religion before you encounter glory. Religion will suffocate the life of God out of you. Religion has a way of stopping true hunger for God. God is not looking for the holy. God is looking for the hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. God is not looking for your merit. God is looking for your authenticity. God is not looking for your history. Here's all the things that I've done for the Lord and therefore I deserve a touch of glory. He ain't looking for any of that. They're lies from the devil. God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, who will stop playing church. And then he's willing to do the rest. That's what God's looking for. I'm going to tell you a couple of more things and then I think I'll finish there. I want to tell you that glory encounters change everything. Everything. Seriously change everything. You see what happened with Isaiah? Did anybody say anything to Isaiah? And Isaiah's like, woe is me, I am undone for I'm a man of unclean lips. Who told you, bro? But that's what happens. Because you know, you know what happens when there's a glory encounter? When, there, when there's a glory encounter, everything about us reorients according to God and not according to church. Peter had a glory encounter a glimpse of Jesus and he said to him, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Job had a glory encounter and even though he was the most righteous man on all of the earth, but he saw himself afresh. He said, with the hearing of the ear I have heard of you, but now my eye sees you, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I don't think I'm so good anymore, God. (laughs) I know that the river of Ezekiel only flows into the valley. It doesn't flow into high places. Pride of heart, and I've got this, and I'm good, never sinks in the glory of God. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. The difference between God's resistance and God's assistance is a matter of pride or humility. I want to tell us when we have a glory encounter, we honestly... See ourselves, not what was me, I'm a worm, not like that. But we see ourselves with a true estimate. Not puffed up. Not these wonderfully experienced whatever. We see ourselves. It doesn't crush us because of the grace of God that surrounds us. But you know what the beautiful thing is? We see God for who he is too. I want to tell you, until you have a glory encounter, honestly, you think... You know a lot about God, but you actually don't. Seriously. You you can know a lot cognitively. But that's a real small measure of knowing God. A glory encounter. See, Isaiah, all of a sudden, he he sees, I see the Lord high and lifted up. And his glory filled the earth. Wow. See, God all of a sudden came out of his nice, neat, domesticated box that he was in, Isaiah's theology. And his eyes were opened 
to the greatness of God in a whole new way. In a whole new way where the Lord is Lord and you walk with him in the divine life. Everything changes. I want to tell you that a glory encounter doesn't have to be spectacular. It could be subtle, but still effective. You know why? Because glory encounters don't just excite you, they change you. A lot of Christian meetings, all they want to do is make you feel good. You know what I mean? I've got the goosebumps to show it. Glory of the Lord is on my arm because of the goosebumps. It's got nothing to do with that. I don't care whether you have goosebumps or not. Being touched by the glory of God could be as subtle as attending a meeting like this, going home and all of a sudden you know you're different. You don't even know how. Where did I get this appetite for God's word? Where did I get this appetite that is so insatiable for his presence? Where did I get this faith of the greatness of God? Where where, where, where did I get this fiery passion in my bones that I can't shut it up? Where did that come from? And you literally have, sometimes it's so subtle, you have no idea, but I want to tell you they are the fruit of being touched by God's glory. So I'm going to land it with this very simple thing. Okay, that's, that's all good, but what could I do? Like, okay, what could I do? to be touched by God's glory. One of the things that the Lord's been really showing me, opening up my eyes to, is something called the power of one step. Literally, the power of one step. We, we can have a lot of scripture around that, draw near to me and I will draw near to you and things like that. But it's literally the power of one step. Jonah is rebellious and Jonah is running away from the very clear directive of God and Jonah's on a totally different page to the Holy Spirit. But one step, one step in Jonah chapter 2, he turns his heart to the Lord and prays. Sees in Jonah chapter 3, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How beautiful is that? And then we see 100,000 people, 100,000 people, an entire rebellious city, Come to repentance because Jonah spoke eight words. Yet 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Can you imagine 100,000 people in Bendigo repenting because one man took one step to say, Lord, I want to do this your way. One step, one step. The Lord didn't say to him, hey, we're going to put you on a performance assessment plan and see how you go in three months. It's not how the Lord works. He literally put out one step, God, I'm ready to do it your way. God, it's not too late. God, I turn my heart to you and it's not about my best thinking, it's about your ways. I'm ready to give up my ways and to do it your way. I'm ready to be called a fool for the sake of the name of Jesus. I'm ready even for Christians to look at me funny and look at me different. 
I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit did some stuff that was really weird. I'm just going to be really raw with you because you have to know what to actually expect. And I couldn't understand that. I come from a really conservative background. So my church history was really conservative. And not only my church history, even kind of like my profession before I became a pastor was, was super conservative. So everything about me was like structured and When the Lord started to touch my life afresh, I started to do some weird things. I still do weird things. I'm weird, right? And I, I'm not setting out to be weird. It's not like, hey, I, I want to be weird. I don't want to be weird. The first time that I got completely drunk in the Holy Spirit was so embarrassing. I, I can't find my feet. I'm in front of a thousand people and I'm like, and, I'm, and, and the Lord challenges me. Am I going to be in control or are you going to be in control? Are you going to do it your way or are we going to do it my way? I had to make a decision. But in the natural, in the flesh, it was actually... Do you know how embarrassing it is to stand before a thousand people and be one a blubbering mess, but also be like, ha, 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 ha. like what's wrong with a dude? I'm thinking what's wrong with me. And I've been drunk in the flesh before. So I know what it's like. I was completely sloshed in the Holy Spirit. Weird things. I'm, I'm, I'm saying there was lots of weird things. I was just actually with a girl a couple of months ago. She was the most prim and proper of young women, honestly, I've ever encountered in my life, right? She would come to church. She says, I love your church. This is what she says to me. She says, I love your church. I love everything. There's something about it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've only got one thing. You, you guys are weird. I can't get over that. You're weird. I'm like, okay, I don't know that we can stop being weird. I'm, I'm so sorry. Here's what happens. <laughs> Jesus. Isn't God funny? Spirit of God touched her in one of the meetings <laughs> for 24 hours, <laughs> an entire day. She was mooing. Mm, like that. It's so weird. You go up there, you She gets on the tram. I mean, we're talking to CBD in Melbourne. Mm, on the tram. So I say to her the following week, I won't mention her name because you might meet her. I'm like, so-and-so, what was that about? She said to me, you know what? I have no idea, but I know that the Lord broke my pride. Every time. I'd have a sense of God's presence. I would move. <laughs> now, I, don't, don't, don't hear me say we're going to turn this into a circus. Don't hear me say that. But what I'm saying is, God is so much outside of the box that we have put him in yeah. and deals with us so individually. Don't, don't be afraid of moving and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not even what it's about at all. Don't even worry about manifestations of the spirit. I'm talking about when you're touched by glory, you'll find that you actually change. You 
change. You won't worry about what anyone thinks. What do they think? Well, who cares? I've concluded I'd rather the smile of my heavenly father than a thousand frowns on earth. You can think whatever you want. Am I going to live under the prison of the fear of man or the liberty of the Holy Spirit? Which? Am I going to shut up God so I can open it up to man? Or am I going to open it up to God and shut it up to man? These are the things that are coming your way if you say yes. Because here's what I've realised. I actually don't know anyone in my world now that has had a yes decision to be touched by the glory of God that hasn't been within a short period of time. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't have to happen in a public meeting. As a matter of fact, the vast majority been in bedrooms, parks, as they're walking, all sorts of stuff. Because the Spirit of God is not limited. We're just going to pray a simple prayer. Nothing eloquent. God is not into eloquence of man. God is just really interested in the simple but honest yes of hearts. I'm going to do something a little bit, I don't know if this is normal here or not, I'm not sure. But I actually want it to be a little bit private. Not a salvation altar call. I actually just, would you mind if we just gave the privacy to everyone else by either closing our eyes, bowing our heads, or whatever it is that needs to be done, just so it's really private. It's very personal. I would love for you right now just to begin a conversation between you and the Lord. And if you actually really want this, if you want a glory touch from God, and you mean it, And in your heart, you're saying, you know what? I may be even afraid of the cost, God, but I want it. I'm afraid of the cost, but could you help me process that? I don't want to be afraid. I don't want fear to stop me. You may not be afraid at all. You may be super hungry. Well, tell him that. So, Father, we, um, we rely 100% on the prayer of the high priest that the glory that you have given me, I also have given them. Thank you that the blood has paid for that. Thank you that right here in Creek Street, every single person, God, is eligible to be touched by glory. So Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, because you are a respecter of no person, what you have done with Isaiah in Scripture, what you have done with Moses, what you have done with millions throughout all the age, what you have done with thousands, even at Numa Church, Holy Spirit, 
I ask you to do it here. I ask you to do it here. I ask that there be such an outpouring of glory. I ask that you would exceed every prayer. Give exceeding abundantly above all that has been requested even right now. Those who are not hungry, can I ask you to carve hunger, Lord? Those who can't see what we're talking about, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you specialize in opening the eyes of the blind and bringing reality of the spirit realm. You're the specialist. We rely on you. We've got no strategy. You are God and you love us. I ask you for young men that the rest of their journey would be yours. I ask you for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit across this congregation, Lord. I ask you for a great awakening. I ask you for water levels that are completely new in the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, the beloved darling of heaven, that this would never be about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, gifts or anything. That this would be about loving, adoring Jesus as he deserves. That there'll be a fresh love for Jesus, fresh knowledge of him. There'll be such a revival of first love right across the church. I thank you because you're here to do it. Thank you that uh, you subdue philosophy and you lift up truth. So have your way in the mighty name of Jesus. Spirit of a living God, we honor you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I could literally, um, just to be really honest with you, but I'm not, maybe another time, Holy Spirit. Um, over, over some of your heads, I'm seeing words, literally words. Wow. Jesus. Jesus. Father, thank you so much. How much you know every person so intimately and how dreams are not forgotten before you. Not forgotten. There's people here that have prayed certain things for years and the Lord reawakens that and they're coming to pass. He is faithful. He who promises is faithful. And while it's taken a long time, the appointed time is at hand. In its time, I will hasten it, says the Lord. Lord doesn't need a lot of time. Lord has appointed a right time. And when that time comes, it happens very quickly. Thank you, Lord, of time. Thank you, Lord, of time. Thank you, Lord, of promises. Thank you that the promise that you have given to one generation shall not fall to the ground. But it shall come. It shall surely come. Though it tarry, it shall surely come. 
thank you that it's actually near. I'm literally smelling promises like you smell rain. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fresh wind. Fresh wind. Fresh wind, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There, there is one person here who is really quite restless. And the reason that you're restless is because there is so much on your life that the devil is interfering, the demonic is interfering. Because if you got free, what God has on your life is so powerful. And you're feeling restless right now, feeling like you wouldn't mind if the meeting concluded right now. But I want you to know that um, Lord loves you, he's waiting, and as soon as you come, Certain chains are going to fall off you so powerfully. You're going to experience the power of the Lord so powerfully. And just like Jonah, you're going to be pivotal in what the Holy Spirit is doing. And even though you don't believe it now, but that's the word of the Lord over you. No thief in hell can take that away. The Lord has spoken. Thank you, great restorer of dreams, and thank you, great leader of the church. We bow the knee. We bow the knee to Jesus Christ. We lay every crown at your feet, and we love you and we honor you. You alone deserve all the glory. You alone deserve all praise. You are worthy, and you are holy. You are altogether lovely. Thank you that times of refreshing come from your presence, Lord. May this church be for your glory. May Bendigo, in the name of Jesus Christ, experience the swooping winds of the Holy Spirit. May the river that is in your heart fill Bendigo. May an entire generation and city and region become the Lord and his Messiahs. The sons and daughters that were to be damned, vessels for honor, set apart. Thank you, Lord, that um, the train of the robe of the Messiah fills the temple. And thank you that there is only one outcome. You are Lord of all. And thank you that we walk by faith and not by sight. And you shall have your way from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. We prophesy over Bendigo revival in the name of Jesus Christ. We prophesy a great awakening in the name of Jesus. We prophesy and declare the unity of the church. The churches shall have no labels upon them. But the body of Christ shall be one. One in power. One in purpose. One in praise. 
one, one, one in the mighty name of Jesus. We prophesy the breaking of the wall between clergy and laity, that every saint is a powerful presence carrier and minister of the glory of God. So thank you, God, for what you have prophesied. What your mouth has spoken, your hand shall do. Give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Whoa. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> it is such an honor, such an honor to be in a place where the Spirit is. <laughs> to be together experiencing the Spirit of the Lord. What an honor. Hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're about to have communion, so if um, if you have not got uh, a little communion package, there is a couple of spots you could get them up the sound desk corner on the back of the um, the table up the back there. So feel free to go and grab one now if you haven't haven't already got one. This one is being prepared for me who has not got one. Thank you so much. <laughs> mm. We love we love taking communion every week. We love it because it is only through what Jesus did. <laughs> Only through what he did that we have access. <laughs> and what a powerful, powerful thing to acknowledge, to remember, to spend time. <laughs> I just want to read um, a, a passage that the Lord has put on my heart recently that uh, that uh, I think is really, really relevant to this morning. It's Psalm twenty-seven. And I'll start it at verse 1. This is out of the Passion Translation because I love it. It says, The Lord is my revelation light to guide me along the way. He's the source of my salvation to defend me every day. I fear no one. I fear no one. I'll never turn back and run from you, Lord. Surround and protect me. When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not be afraid even if an army rises to attack. I know that you are there for me, so I will not be shaken. He is the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. <laughs> this, this bit's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing <laughs> I want the privilege 
of living with him every moment in his house. Finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. <laughs> As you may be able to tell, that that is the prayer of my heart. And that's that, man, would that be the prayer of our heart as a community? As, as a church, as a family, would it be the prayer of our heart that we would experience a touch of glory that would change us? And then we take two steps and we experience a touch of glory that changes us. <laughs> we take some more steps and we experience a touch of glory that changes us. Not because we we are chasing chasing a, a, an outward experience that we can show off, but because we want to spend the rest of our lives and every moment of our, our our waking and our sleeping in God's presence in His house, so close to Him that He would delight in every one of our prayers. <laughs> And this is what we get to remember. This, the access, <laughs> for this to be our experience is what we get to remember when we take communion. We get to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you have made a way, you have made it possible for this to be my experience. <laughs> so let's stand, let's stand as we, as we take the body <laughs> These two things represent what has given us access. Yeah, so let's just take a moment. And as we eat, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's eat. Lord, would you stir our souls? Father, would you build hunger and a desire to go deeper, to go deeper into this gift that you have given us? It is never ending. And Lord, we thank you for your blood poured out. <laughs> we thank you. Let's drink. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You know, life is full of starting points. Is uh, every day, isn't it? The mercies of the Lord are there, anew every morning. So let this be a start. 
something that you allow the Lord to continue to to do within you and me. <laughs> and uh, oh, just a couple of um, a couple of messages. Um, so next week is is uh, week before school begins. So um, a lot of preparation and things happening. Um, so next week we we will just have our prayer meeting uh, here on uh, Wednesday at seven thirty, um, and then the following week um, starts our our men's group and then ladies group alternating on the on the Wednesday um, as well as our prayer meeting. Um, and the only other message is uh, next. Sunday is the commissioning service for um, the school, for the college. Uh, so there will be a, a lot of uh, visitors. I, I do expect quite a number of the um, staff and leadership and, and uh, other community members um, to be here. So there'll be a lot more chairs sitting around um, uh, next week. So if... if uh, if you arrive and there's lots of cars everywhere, just understand that's um, you know, that's um, that's what's happening, and um, yeah, glory to God. Um, hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And I think uh, we will go on our way shortly. And we'll take the presence of the Lord with us, because that's what His promise is. And if just if there is um, is anybody um, who has a specific need, if you need prayer, um, please feel free as um, as people are mingling and and uh, whatever to uh, yeah to come out and we'll we will pray for any specific need. But the Lord bless you keep you and uh, thank you and I just want to say thank you Raf for, for what you've you've ministered this morning what you've brought it's been a real privilege might have you back again <laughs> glory to God good I'm not sure if it's morning or afternoon we, we don't do oh yeah 